Father, we come to you one more time. We thank you for your sweet presence in this place. Lord, open our hearts and our minds to hear your word and to apply it in our lives. We're very, very careful this morning to give you all the honor and the glory which you deserve. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. As you remain standing, now you may be seated. It's okay. Sit down. Yeah. You know, it's a blessing to be here. I talked to my wife uh, the other night, and she really, really wanted to come and go to the women's convention. I'm hearing good, good reports about what take, took place there. Amen. I, I guess tonight we're going to hear more. Amen. But I bring greetings from the church, and, you know, we're, we're doing what God called us to do over there. We're, we're going into the schools. We're having a concert at our church at the end of this month. And so I want you to pray for that. We're believing to bring many, many people in our area there. We can fit probably 500 in the bottom floor. We don't have the balcony ready yet, amen? <laughs> but we're believing God for great, great things. And it's a blessing to be here, and I, I thank God for the sun. I heard you guys had a lot of rain. You had a lot of rain, right? Well, I brought the sun. And this morning, I want to bring the Son of God, amen? If you have your Bibles, I want you to go to the book of Joshua. The title this morning is First In, Last Out. I want to thank Pastor Josie for allowing me the opportunity to come and share the word of God. God is so special. God is so exciting. You know, it's exciting to serve the Lord. You never know what he's going to do next. Amen? I mean, if you're really following God, it's exciting because, man, you just, you never know. You never know what he's going to do. You have Joshua chapter 3. We're going to begin in verse 3. First in, last out. You'll see why I said that title at the end. Beginning in verse 3. Giving orders to the people, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, who are the Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Everybody say, follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. Now, what I want you to understand, this was a transition time for the nation of Israel. And whenever you're serving the Lord, there's going to be many transitions along the way. You know, because God is a God of change. He doesn't change, but he wants us to change. Amen? And, and he has us, like right now, you've been going through a lot of transitions. Amen? I remember last time I was here, as I shared before, that they were just barely framing this thing out on this side. And now you're in here. But this is not the end of the transition. And God is going to continue to do more great things within this ministry. You know, probably next time I come, all this will be completed. But still, the transition won't be over. Because God is not going to get you stuck here. Amen. This is only a beginning of what God is going to do in this city of Hayward. 
Now, their longtime Moses, leader Moses was dead. And God was raising up Joshua to lead them into the promised land. And whenever God brings his people to the promise, there's requirements. Are you with me? There's always requirements when God is getting ready to bring his people to the promise or bring them through the transitions that they have within their lives. Now, the first one I want to look at, I only have three, but they're long ones. I'm just kidding. They're not that long. The first one is sanctification before service. Okay? He said, follow the ark. See, if we're not following the Lord, everything we do is in vain. I mean, we can't build a ministry. We can't build our families. We can't build our business if we're not following the Lord. There's nothing we can do unless we put God first within our lives. Even our marriages will fail. Are you hearing me this morning? Our marriages will fail if we're not putting God first within our relationships. Our relationships with our children will fail. We've got to exalt God. We've got to put God first in everything that we do. See, leadership is a product of fellowship. In other words, a leader's got to follow God. A leader, and you know, I'm telling you here, everybody here has the potential to be a leader. Every single one of us. Because you lead someone somehow, some way. If you're a father, you lead your household. If you're a mother, you lead your children. Are you with me? If you have a job, you're an example. You're leading people. Everything we do, we're a leader. And I want you to understand that. Are you with me? You guys look like, hey, what's this guy talking about over here? Okay, let's move on. But see, what I'm talking about here is we, once you have that relationship with God and you exalt and you're following God, God will begin to give you a vision for your life. Are you with me? But you'll never get it unless you're exalting God. If you're following the ark, you're following the presence of God within your life. Then you'll begin to live for the cause. How many know we have a cause in Victory Outreach? We have a cause to reach the world, to go to the inner cities of the world and make disciples and make leaders and start new works. And we're believing God for great things. And that's our cause. That is our vision. But if we're not putting God first within our life, we will never see the vision that God has for us. Are you with me? See, God made it very simple for Joshua. Where the ark goes, you go. That's it. He, he didn't make it difficult. He didn't say, well, you're going to have to do all these things and make all these tricks and do all this stuff just to find out my purpose for your life. Just follow my presence. Just follow the ark. Where it goes, you go. He made it very simple. And we know the ark is the physical presence of God. See, but the ark had to be on the shoulders of dedicated priests. See, carrying, if you look, it says carry the ark or or lift up the ark in your translations, it means really to exalt. Because that word in the Hebrew means to exalt. In other words, they had to exalt God within their lives. He had to become first place within their lives if they were going to be able to find their destiny, if they were able to step into their purpose that God had for their lives. Are you with me? See, they had to be totally committed. They had to obey God without hesitation. Hesitation is a dangerous thing. Hesitation actually means to delay due to uncertainty or fear. Are you with me? See, hesitation can keep you from your promise. Because sometimes when God speaks, you need to move right away. You need to act on it right away. And if you begin to hesitate, the opportunity might pass you by. 
Are you with me? So when God speaks, you got to listen. you got to move. When the ark moves, you got to move. You can't waste time and begin to analyze and say, well, maybe that's God and maybe that's not God. If it's going to the word of God, if it lines up with the Bible, it is God. And he's saying, don't hesitate. When I speak to you, move. And that's what he was telling the people of Israel. Do not hesitate. Just do what I tell you to do. Be obedient. Amen. How many times do we hear that? Another thing they had to do was be spiritually, excuse me, spiritually prepared. Are you with me? We're going to look at verse 4 after I drink. The throat is a little dry. It's still cold here for me, though. I was in the room praying, and I was shaking. I was going, oh, is that the Lord? (laughs) Or is it the cold? I think it was the cold. Amen. Look at verse 4. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance, about a thousand yards, between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. See, they had to be spiritually prepared. They had to be mentally prepared. They had to have discipline within their lives. And let me tell you something. If you're going to serve the Lord wholeheartedly, you have to do it with your mental. You've got to grow in the things of God. You've got to study your word. You've got to read books. You've got to continue to excel. You've got to be physically fit. Let me tell you, you have to take care of your, your temple here. If you're going to be able to do what God has called you to do, amen? Sometimes we we go too soon because we don't take care of ourselves or we can't follow the ark because we're not physically ready. There's people not here today because they're sick, because they're not physically ready. You know, if you're you're in shape and you're ready to go and you're eating the right kinds of foods, if you're sick, it's not going to stop you. Have you ever watched the NBA players? They play with the flu. Why? Because they're in condition. They're in condition. They have spiritual disciplines within their life. They got uh, physical disciplines in their life. And whenever they got to move, they're ready to move. It doesn't matter how you feel. It's not about feelings. When you're out there in the field, in the mission field, you're going to get sick. You're going to go through things. You're going to go through trial. You're going to go through tribulation. But you can't let it stop you. You've got to continue to move forward no matter what. You've got to have spiritual disciplines in your life. You got to get up and pray when you feel like not praying. When you don't want to get up in the morning, you got to get up anyhow. And you got to get up and you got to touch the ark. That's what the word of God is telling us here. See, this discipline is important. This training is important within our life. See, readiness calls for a space of preparation, a space between the people and the ark. The space between the people and the ark shows the separation of the ordinary to the extraordinary. From the worldly to the holy. Are you with me? The separation. Now look at verse 5. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. See, they had to sanctify themselves. They had to separate themselves to God. See, the place of sanctification was the bank of the river. They were there. They could see the promise, but they couldn't get to it. It was a place of need. It was a place of danger. And let me tell you, that's the times in life when you have to begin to separate yourself. There's going to be times in your life when you're in need. There's going to be times in your life when you feel danger pressing around you, but you still got to get a hold of God. You still got to say, I got to separate myself to God. I'm not going to try to get out on my own and figure it out. I'm going to believe God for the miracle in my life. 
You got to separate yourself to God in the time of need. When everything, it seems like hell is crashing around you, you got to separate yourself. When you can't pay your bills, you got to separate yourself. You got to believe God for that miracle because you're following the Lord. You have faith in God. No matter what, you're following the ark. Are you with me? See, they had to be spiritually purified before they could cross the river. See, sins had to be confessed. They had to be forgiven. There had to be forgiveness among the people there. Hatreds and prejudices. You know, sometimes, man, we get angry at our brother or our sister, and we hold it in. And we see them in a church, we walk this way. Because we don't want to confront them. We don't want to face them. But that's got to be left at the altar. You can't walk around with that kind of thing in your heart. You'll never be sanctified before God. you got to learn to forgive. See, I learned a valuable lesson when I was in the home. Is it okay if I share this? Because I thought, you know, I got it going on with God over here, and, and I'm learning to pray and read my Bible, and I, I see, I sense the vision of God for my life. I know I'm called to be a missionary. I just didn't know where I was going. And, you know, I thought, you know, I, I, don't, I don't hate anybody anymore. You know, when I came in, I hated everybody. <laughs> I was growling. I couldn't get that picture, though. But I had long, I had hair in those days. Amen. Then it was long, and I had a long beard, and I came in growling at people and like that. But God began to touch my heart, and things began to change. And so I had to get ready. I'm separating myself because I know God has a plan for my life. I'm following God. I'm not, I'm not looking at the past. I'm not looking at all these things anymore, but I want to move forward. And when I was younger, there was a guy that killed my girlfriend, you know, and I thought I'd forgive the dude. And he happened to walk in the home. And all of a sudden, man, I seen him. I just wanted to lay hands on him. <laughs> I wanted to grip his neck. Because I, I changed. I was all, you know, I got my weight back. I, I actually had too much weight in those days. Amen. And he didn't recognize me, but I seen him right away. And I looked for 15 years. I tried to kill this guy. And I, he always slipped by me. God, God allowed him to get away. I know that now. But for 15 years, man, all I thought about was ways to get this dude. And I remember he came in the home, and he was kicking real bad. I went in and I prayed. First thing I did, I, I seek the Lord, man, because I didn't want to blow my calling. So I started praying, and God said, I want you to serve him. I want you to serve him, and don't tell him who you are. Oh, that's not what I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear, go beat him up, kick him out of the home. That's what I wanted to hear. So he came in kicking, and we had a kick room, and I stayed up with him, and I prayed with him, and I, I massaged his back as he was throwing up, and I cleaned his vomit. I stayed up with him. I prayed for him. And finally, early in the morning, I got tired, and I put somebody else in there, and I went and sleep for a little while, and I got up in the morning. I went in there. The dude was gone. So I went in the room, and I started praying. I said, God, why would you do this to me, man? You, know, you make me humble myself, and this guy leaves? He goes, I didn't put him there for him. I put him there for you because you needed to learn how to forgive. See, there was no way I was going to step into the promise if I was holding that within my heart. I didn't understand it then, but I understand it now. Are you with me? See, they had to learn to have love and fellowship with each other. See, anything that blocks the flow of God's grace has to be removed. Anything. 
It has to be removed. Secondly, number two. We are moving fast. This is good. We might have time for you to buy me lunch. Just kidding. Number two. Steps in service. Now look at verse 7. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Now remember, this transition from the leadership of Moses to Joshua was orchestrated by God. Amen? God orchestrated this thing. It was his plan. See, Moses led the people for 40 years, and Moses had very strong leadership. So all of a sudden, here comes Joshua, and God saying, now I want you to lead the people. It would have been very easy for Joshua to be intimidated. How could I fill the shoes of Moses? In fact, in chapter 1, God tells Joshua to be strong and courageous three times. Three times. Because he still had fear within his life. He still was intimidated. He didn't want to take the role of leadership that God had called him to take. See, some of you know what that feels like. Because you feel in your spirit that God is calling you to a role of leadership, a role to do something for God. But you're allowing fear or hesitation to come within your life. And you're not taking the bull by the horns. Are you with me? Well, God is telling you this morning, be strong and courageous. See, he doesn't make mistakes. Don't hesitate. When God calls you, you answer the call. You know, there's been times that I remember going to certain churches, and I would talk to somebody, and they would tell me, well, in 1989, I was called to be a missionary. And I go, why are you here? Why are you here? And, you know, what do they want, you know? I'm going to tell the truth. Why are you here? God called you to do something. Why are you here? Do what God called you to do. Are you with me? See, the reason God chose to lead the people across the Jordan at flood stage was to establish the leadership of Joshua. See, his leadership had to be confirmed. It had to be established by God. See, there had to be a big event, just like when Moses parted the Red Sea. Are you with me? See, God wanted everyone to know that he was with Joshua. So he had to have confidence. Look at verse 9. Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, Hivites, Parasites, Gergesites, Amorites, and Jebusites. A lot of sights. But notice he said, listen to the word of the Lord. Listen is shama in the Hebrew. It means to hear intelligently with an act of obedience. In other words, when God speaks, you don't just hear it. You're only hearing it if you hear it and you act on it. That is hearing the word of God. It's not a matter of, of God speaking and you're doing nothing. Then you're not listening intelligently. You're not even hearing the word of God. See, there's going to be times in your life where God is going to speak, and you need to act intelligently. You've got to be obedient when God speaks to you. 
You know, God is a father. He loves us. He speaks to us. He wants us to act. He wants us to move. He wants us to do what he called us to do. But you know, have you ever talked to somebody and you tell them over and over and over and they don't do nothing? What happens? You get discouraged. Finally, you stop telling them to do anything. Well, that happens with God also. He will not strive with man forever. If you continue not to act on his word when he's speaking to you, he's going to say, forget it. Let me find somebody that's going to listen. Amen? You know, maybe that guy that I was talking to that didn't go out, maybe he was supposed to be in the Philippines. I don't know. But when God spoke to me, I heard it. I listened to it. I said, here I am. I'm going. And I did everything I needed to do to get there. Amen? Because I heard the voice of the Lord. See, Joshua acted on the word of God by faith. See, when you have faith, it really means conviction. See, when you have the conviction of the Lord within your life, you're going to act. You're going to move. You've got to live by faith. You've got to live by your convictions. Are you with me? See, Joshua's conviction brought confidence that spread through the people. Are you with me? See, your convictions, your, when you live by faith, people see that. People see that. And when they see that, they begin to have faith within their life. That's why it's so important you keep a good testimony. You keep a good testimony in your family, on your job, whatever you're doing. Have a strong test. Let them know that you're a person of faith. And they might make fun of you now, but there's going to be a time in their life when they're going to need to reach out to God and you're going to be the person they're going to go to because they see the conviction within your life. Amen? I remember when I was younger and a dope fiend, all my family would see me come and they would hide all the valuables. They would lock the doors. We don't want him inside. I mean, I was messed up. I was so messed up, the dogs didn't even walk on the same side of the street. I'm, I'm not kidding. It's true. I would walk down the street, the dog would cross the street, man. And my family would do the same thing. But right now, who do they call? Hello. Because they see it's real in my life. I'm not going in and out. I'm in. I'm in this thing for life. Orira. That's it. I ain't going nowhere. Amen. That's my conviction. See, we can't step into the promise without conviction. But if you have faith, you have conviction, you believe what God has called this church to attain, it's easy. It's easy. It's easy to give. It's easy to work. It's easy to get things done if everybody believes. Amen? Another water break here. I'm very thirsty. You know my biggest fear? Speaking in front of people. It is. You probably can't tell. But I'm freaking out right now. <laughs> but I can't let that stop me. I can't let that stop me from doing what God called me to do. And neither can you. Neither can you. See, the test at the Jordan was a graduation ceremony for Joshua. And it was a miracle to show the people that the miracles had not stopped. They haven't stopped. See, the future rests on history. What God did in the past, he could do it again. Remember what God has done in your life. Remember how he brought you from glory to glory, how he brought you out of the pit, how he's done things in your life. He restored your marriage. He restored your family. He got you together. Remember what God did in the past. And that's a, a sign to the future. 
because nothing is impossible for God. Nothing. See, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's no difference on God's part. But do we accept his word when he speaks to us? Do we accept it? Shama. Do we hear intelligently and act with obedience when he speaks to our lives? That's the question we have to ask. God's not changing. He can still do what he did yesterday. He can still part the Red Sea. There's nothing impossible for him. He created everything. He can do anything he wants. The laws of nature don't apply to God. He can do whatever he wants. But do we accept what he says? Do we accept his miracles within our life? You don't need Benny Hinn. You need the Lord. You got a sickness in your body. You need Jesus. That's all you need. You should come in this church every time you come expecting your miracle, expecting God to move, expecting God to do great things in your life, in your family, in your business, in your job, whatever it is, God's going to move. But you got to expect it. You got to expect it. See, God knows the plan in the future. We just need to be willing and obedient. That's all we need to do. Sanctification before service, steps in service, and thirdly and lastly, Stepping into service. You got to get your feet wet. You got to get your feet wet. Look at verse 13. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, everybody say all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage. Everybody say flood stage. All during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away. At a town called Adam or Adam, I'm used to Tagalog, Adam, in the vicinity of Zerath, Zerathan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of Araba, the salt sea was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. You got to get your feet wet. See, the jo- Jordan was the barrier between the people and the promise. There's Jordans within our lives as well. See, Joshua saw a vision of where they should go, and God provided the way. See, God will give us a vision of where we need to go, but God's going to provide the way. Remember, we're exalting the Lord here, and if we don't exalt Lord, we won't know the way. We'll be lost. Are you with me? See, every one of us are going to have barriers to reaching our promise. Sometimes we're going to have a flood of them. I've been getting flooded. I've learned how to tread water. There's sometimes you've got to learn how to tread water because there's going to be a flood of barriers. Uh, uh, the devil, the enemy, a lot of things will happen that will try to keep you from the promise of God within your life. Are you with me? I mean, there's a lot. Sometimes we're the worst barrier. We can be our own worst barrier. We try to blame the devil. It's us. You want to point the finger, well, point it back sometimes. Amen? Because when you point, you got three pointing back anyway, so are you with me? But every one of us is going to have these barriers. Now, God could have said, let's wait till dry season. Or, or why don't we send a swimmer out ahead and, and do a line? We'll do a rope across so everybody can get across like that, right? 
I mean, that's kind of logical, right? That's a logical thing to do. If you got across the flood stage, well, you get the strongest swimmers, you tie a line on them, and you let them go across, and you put it in the ground so that people can pull themselves across. But let me tell you, God doesn't do logical. He doesn't do logical. Well, the things we think should be done, the way we think they should be done, God doesn't do it that way. How, why would God take a drug addict that's been using drugs for 23 years, 16 years on heroin, why would he send him to the Philippines? I don't know, but he did. See, God does not do the logical. He does exactly the opposite. Why? Because he can. That's why he's chosen us. The foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Amen? Because he does the illogical. And he was doing it here with the nation of Israel. See, the barrier was not crossed. It disappeared. Man can build bridges, but God can stop the water. God is able to do that. See, the ark had led the way. The exalted presence of God. You can't get away from that. It's always about God. It's all about God. If you exalt God, you're going to step into the promise. Now, how many times have we focused on the flood and never stepped out? How many times has God spoken to your life, spoken to your heart to start a ministry? You know, I have people in my church sometimes, oh, you know what? God spoke to me. We need to have this ministry. Well, that's your ministry. God spoke to you. Why are you telling me? I got my ministry already. That's your ministry. But, but, but. Are you hearing me? But see, they're looking at the flood. You can't look at the flood. When God tells you to step out, he's giving you a, an assignment. You have an assignment from God. you got to begin to look from his perspective. And the only way you're going to see from the perspective of God is if you put God first. Are you with me? Love casts out all fear, right? The perfect love of God casts out all fear. God loves you. He has a plan for your life. Don't look at the flood. Begin to look to God. Are you with me? See, when their feet touched the water, this is heavy, all the water could do was wash their feet. That's all it could do. It couldn't hurt them. See, sometimes you've got to step into the flood because we need to be purified. We need to be cleansed. Why do you think God allows trials and tribulation, these things within our life? Not to bring us down, but to raise us up. Because we need to be cleansed. I don't care how big your problem is. All it's going to do is wash your feet. I don't care what trial you're going through. All it's going to do is wash your feet. I don't care what kind of problem you have within your life. All it's going to do is wash your feet. That's all it can do. It can't stop you. It's going to better you. You're going to come out stronger. You're going to come out purer. You're going to come out with more purpose. You're going to come out and reach your destiny because you're going to be able to cross over to the other side. Don't focus on the flood. Look past it. You can't focus on the flood. See, God dried up the waters below and dammed up the waters above. It was like a heap, the Bible says. It didn't stop flowing. It didn't stop flowing. It just stopped flowing below them. See, the threat was getting greater upstream. I could imagine. They're in the water, and the threat's getting bigger. And bigger and bigger like a heap. It's growing and growing and growing. But see, that didn't stop them from doing what God called them to do. 
Think about it. It took a long time for all the Israelites to pass by. It had to take a long time. And during that time, the, the threat was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It was getting greater and greater. Now look at verse 17 again. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. They stood firm, the Bible says. The Hebrew is amad. It means to take one stand. See, you have to stand your ground. You have to stand your ground. They were the first one in and the last one out. See, the priests carrying the ark marched to the center of the Jordan. I believe that they walked in and the heap was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. They turned their back on the heap and they began to stay focused because they let the people pass in front of them and they focused on the people. They focused on the mission. They didn't care. They didn't focus on the flood growing behind them, but they focused on their mission, their destiny. They seen the people crossing in front of them. See, sometimes you got to turn your back to the flood. you got to turn your back to the wall in your life. And you got to focus on the, on the calling that you have. Are you with me? See, they were the wall between the people and the wall of water. As they stood their ground, the water stayed in check. Failure is the failure to stand your ground. That's failure. Failure is the failure to stand your ground. Failure to stand for our vision. That's when you're really failing. Failure is focusing on the threat and not standing your ground. That's why they had their back to the wall of water. That's why they were watching the Israelites coming across, reaching their destiny, going into the promise. That was their job. That was their destiny. Are you with me? I imagine Joshua was probably the first one across because his job was to lead. He didn't stay to hold it back. That wasn't his job. That responsibility was giving to others. Are you with me? He was to lead the troops across and be ready to take the land. That was his job. His job was to lead into the battle. So he had to be the first one in the river and the first one out. And he had to bring the people to take Jericho. That was his job. That was his assignment. That was his destiny. Are you with me? See, if it's your job, your task to stand in the middle of an empty river with your back to the wall while everyone else passes by, know how important it is for you to stand your ground. You've got to know how important. Every task in the church is important. Every task, no matter what you're doing. If you're just standing in an empty room cleaning the chairs, that is important. If you're cleaning the restrooms, whatever it is, it is important. If you're folding bulletins, it is important. Whatever you're doing in this ministry to build this ministry, to build this church, it's important. Don't take it lightly because God doesn't. It's important to God. See, if they would have panicked, think about it. If they would have panicked and they would have ran away, nobody would have crossed. Nobody. I'm sure they were afraid. They were probably more afraid as the water got higher and higher and higher. But as each person crossed over because of their efforts, their faith began to grow. It got stronger and stronger. And let me tell you something, church. The longer you stand your ground, the easier it is to stay. Are you with me? The longer you stand your ground, the easier it is to stay. I don't care what the devil throws your way. I don't care what circumstances in your life, what problems you're having, what trials, what tribulation. The longer you stand your ground, the easier it is. 
That's just the bottom line. It becomes second nature. It becomes second nature. Pastor Steve used to say, under the gun, don't run. I think about that a lot lately. <laughs> Bay, you know, I'm preaching for me, man, right here. But I'm telling you, the longer you stand, it becomes second nature. I mean, there's no quit in you. That's the kind of lives we have to lead as Christians, man. We're fighting for the purpose. We're fighting for the vision. We're fighting for our families. We're fighting for future generations. you got to understand, we have a great task. we got to stand our ground. It's got to be second nature. I mean, retreat is not an option. Quitting is not an option. we got to continue to move forward, build this church so we can be a light to the world. First in, last out. First in, last out. I'm going to have the worship team come. See, the waters, I want you to hear this. The waters were controlled by their obedience. Are you hearing me? It was controlled by their obedience. If they would have ran out, if they would have took off, the flood would have came. And kill all their, all the people. The floods in your life are controlled by your obedience to God. As you exalt the Lord, you put Him first within your life. They stood their ground because they, they had won that ground step by step. And listen, whenever you're doing a ministry, whenever you're taking a city, whatever, whatever you're doing for God, you got to do it step by step. Don't get discouraged. It takes time. It takes time. Step by step. Step by step. Whenever you start something, man, it takes time. It takes time to build. It takes time to grow. They stood their ground in spite of the threat that was behind them. They didn't give up. They didn't give in. They didn't give out. They stood their ground. See, they were faithful to their calling. And because they were faithful to their calling, they made a difference in a nation. We're in every nation of the world almost, and we're going to be. If we're faithful to our calling, we're going to change the world. We're going to make a difference. You got to catch our vision. You got to stand your ground. The Bible says, without a vision, the people cast off restraint. You know, when you look at that word restraint in the original, it has a connotation of, of letting God give an opportunity slip through your fingers. That's why it's important to see what God sees. Because if you don't see what God sees, God's opportunities are going to slip through your fingers. It's time to put God first. I'm going to ask you to stand, and we're going to worship the Lord here. And if you've been struggling, or you want to go to the next level, or God has ministered to your heart, this altar is open. Allow me the opportunity to pray with you. 